Section 26 of Unaddressed Letters by Anonymous, edited by Frank Athelstane Swettenham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Eva Davis. A Love Filter There is to me something strangely attractive about Mohammedan prayers, especially those fixed for the hour of sunset. Time and again I have gone in with the faithful when the priest chants the mazin, and I have sat by and been deeply impressed by the extraordinary reverence of the worshippers, while I and ear have been captivated by the picturesque figures against their colorful background, the wonderfully musical intoning of the priest, and the not less harmonious responses. I do not pretend that this oft-repeated laudation of God's name, this adoration by deep, sonorous words and by every bodily attitude that can convey profound worship, would appeal to others as it does to me even when I have to guess at the exact meaning of prayers whose general import needs no interpretation. The fifth hour of prayer follows closely on that fixed for sundown, and the interval is filled up by singing hymns of praise led by the priest, or by telling and listening to stories of olden times. Of eastern places, the Malay Peninsula has special attractions for me, and the few European travelers I met there and who, like myself, were not bound to a program, seemed equally fascinated. Most of them either prolonged their stay or determined to return for a longer visit. It is difficult to say exactly wherein lies the spell, but there are beauties of scenery, the undoubted charm of the people, as distinguished from other Easterns, and the sense of mystery, of exclusiveness, of unspoilt nature and undescribed life, that arouse a new interest in the wearied children of the West. It is pleasant to get at something which is not to be found in any encyclopedia, and it is, above all, gratifying to obtain knowledge direct and at the fountainhead. This is why I often return, in thought, to the narrow land that lies between two storm-swept seas, itself more free from violent convulsions than almost any other. There is perpetual summer. No volcanoes, no earthquakes, no cyclones. Even the violence of the monsoons that lash the China Sea and the India Ocean into periodical fury is largely spent before it reaches the unprotected seaboards of the richly dowered peninsula. Forgive this digression. I was sitting with the faithful, and the first evening prayer was over. The brief twilight was fast deepening into night. The teacher excused himself and the disciples pushed themselves across the floor till they could sit with their backs against the wall, leaving two rows of prayer carpets to occupy the middle of the room. I had asked some question which, in a roundabout way, led to the telling of this tale. I remember all about it, said a man sitting in the corner. He was a stranger, a man of Sumatra, called Nakada Mawin, and he gave the girl a love potion that drove her mad. He was a trader from Batubara, and he had been selling the famous silks of his country in the villages up our river. Having exhausted his stock and collected his money, he embarked in his boat and made his way to the mouth of the river. Every boat going to sea had to take water on board, and there were two places where you could get it. One was at Telugbatu on our coast, and the other was on an island hard by. But, in those days, the strait between the coast and the island was a favorite haunt of pirates, and Nakada Mawin made for Telugbatu to get his supply of fresh water. He was in no hurry, 
A week or a month then made no difference. So he first called on the chief of the place, a man of importance, styled To Permitang, and then he began to think about getting the water. Now it happened that To Permitang had four daughters, and the youngest but one, a girl called Rahuna, was very beautiful. When there is a girl of uncommon beauty in a place, people talk about it, and no doubt the Nakada, idling about, heard the report and managed to get sight of Rauna. At once he fell in love with her, and set about thinking how he could win her, though she was already promised in marriage to another. These Sumatra people know other things besides making silk and daggers, and Nakara Mawin had a love filter of the most potent kind. It was made from the tears of the sea-woman who we call Juyong. I know the creature. I have seen it. It is bigger than a man, and something like a porpoise. It comes out of the sea to eat grass, and if you lie and wait for it, you can catch it and take the tears. Some people eat the flesh. It is red like the flesh of a buffalo, and the tears are red, and if you mix them with rice, they make the rice red. At least people say so. Anyhow, Nakara Mawin had the filter, and he got an old woman to needle the way for him, as one always does, and she managed to mix the Duyong's tears with Rauna's rice. And when the girl had eaten it, she was mad with love for the Nakada. He stayed at Telegbatu for a month, making excuses, but all to be with Rauna, and he saw her every day, with the help of the old woman, of course. You can't go on like that for long without someone suspecting something. And, though I never heard for certain that there was anything really wrong, the girl was mad and reckless, and the Nakada took fright. She was a chief's daughter, while he was a traitor and a stranger, and he knew they would kill him without an instant's hesitation if Topermatang so much as suspected what was going on. Therefore, having got the water on board, the Nakada put to sea, saying nothing to anyone. In a little place people talk of little things, and someone said, in the hearing of Rahuna, that the Batubara trader had sailed away. With a cry of agony the girl dashed from the house, her sisters after her, and seeing the boat sailing away, but still at no great distance, for there was little breeze, she rushed into the sea and made frantic efforts to tear herself from the restraining arms of her sisters, who could barely prevent her from drowning herself. At the noise of all this uproar, a number of men ran down to the shore, and, when they saw and heard what was the matter, they shouted to the Nakada to put back again. He knew better than to thrust his neck into the noose, and, though they pursued his boat, they failed to catch him. When Rauna saw that she could not get to her lover, and that each moment was carrying him farther away, she cried to him to return, and bursting into sobs, she bemoaned her abandonment, and told her tale of love and words of endearment and despair that passed into a song, which to this day is known as Rauna's Lament. Yes, I can remember the verses, and will repeat them if it does not weary you. The Nakada never returned. O oh, shelter, my dear shelter, the palm stands in the plain, the fruit of the nutmeg falls to the ground and lies there. Thine is thy sister, small but comely, thy diamond, the light of Permatanguntong. Oh, my shelter, I hear the measured splash of the oars, I see the driftweed caught in the rudder, 
thou art above my protecting shelter i am beneath in lowly worship o oh, my shelter twas the hour of evening prayer when thou settest sail the oars are straining and the boat reels along god's mercy is great his promise sure by his blessing we shall meet in the garden of paradise o oh, my shelter the breeze is blowing in fitful gusts be careful not to pull the sail to the left in three months and ten days thou wilt return my brother o oh, my shelter make for the island sri ram for there are two maraboots and a fish weir though thou leavest me be not long absent in two at most in three months return again o oh, my shelter the waters of the sea are calm yet do not hug the shore have no fear of my betrothed was not thy sword but lately sharpened o oh, my shelter thou camest to telegbatu and the peace of my heart has gone satan delights in my undoing for my heart cleaves to thine o oh, my shelter take good thought the passions war with the soul do not waste the gold in thy hand lest scoffers have cause to mock thee Ah, oh, my nakada when the mattress is spread who will lie on it who shall be covered by the folded coverlet who will sit upon the embroidered mat or lean against the great round pillow oh my nakoda the feast is waiting but who will eat it the water is cool but who will drink it the napkin is there whose mouth can it wipe the sirah is ready but who will use it thy sister is cold who will fondle her ah ah come death deliver me and then she fell to weeping and moaning struggling with her sisters and trying to cast herself into the sea that is the tale of raona and nakada mawin and every one knows it some tell it one way and some another but that is how it came to me the girl was mad mad with love and regret for six months and then her father married her to another man and that cured her i knew the man he was a foreigner she and two of her sisters died long ago but the other is alive still how to get the du yong's tears oh that is easy enough you catch the sea woman when she comes up the sand to eat the sweet grass on shore i told you how to do it you have to lie in wait and she waddles up on two sort of fins that she uses like feet helping with her tail if she sees you she tries to get back into the sea but you stand between her and the water and so catch her then if you want her tears you make a palisade of sticks in the deeper water of the bay through which she came and there you bind her in a sort of cage at the surface of the water so that she can't move it is like the thing they put elephants in when they are half tamed when she finds she is held fast there and cannot get down into the deep water to her young she weeps and as the tears stream down her face you catch them sweep them into a vessel and you have the filter there was a pause then a man said i hear they sell duyong's tears in penang the teller of the story at once replied very likely i have heard it too but it is probably only some make-believe stuff you must try it before you buy it how do you do that easily rub some of the filter on a chicken's beak if it is really potent the chicken will follow you wherever you go have you seen that yourself no i want no love filters i manage well enough without them 
I don't care to play with a thing you can't control. I might get into trouble like Nakota Mawin. It is easy enough to give the potion, but I never heard what you do to stop it. Anyhow, if I wanted to buy the stuff, I should first try it on a chicken, and if it had no effect, I should not believe in it, for everyone knows that the story of Rauna and Mawin is true, or they would not sing about it to this day. Hark, the teacher's calling to prayer. A number of boys' high-pitched voices were chanting, Biakila, Rizal Ala, Ainuna, Biun Ila. And across their chorus came the sonorous, far-reaching tones of the priest. Alau ekbar, alau ekbar, asha duala, ila ha'il Allah. When the little group of men had fallen into their places, and the only sound in the building was the musical intoning of the half-whispered prayers, I could not help musing on the extraordinarily happy expression. He found an old woman to needle the way for him. Nothing could be more delightful than the symbol of the small, insinuating, finely-tempered, horribly sharp bit of steel that goes so easily through things and leaves no trace of its passage. And then there is nearly always a thread behind it, and that remains when the needle has gone. I have translated Rahuna's lament for you absolutely literally, except that the word which occurs so often and which I have rendered shelter means umbrella. The umbrella here, as in other countries, is an emblem of the highest distinction, a shelter from sun and rain, a shield and protection, the shadow of a great rock in a dry land. A yellow umbrella is a sign and token of sovereignty. End of section 26